really do believe that if God was to come and tell you that you're going to be a millionaire or you're going to be the biggest artist there is in Zimbabwe or whatever it is that he's going to tell you, you there's a whole journey there that if, if he told you about that journey, you'd say no because that's going to be hard. You're going to be, say, if you're going to be in the creative industry, you will have moments where you're broke. Yeah. Um, you are going to have moments where you're completely unsure and you're questioning each and everything that you're doing. You're going to have moments where family and friends are looking at you and saying, look, are you serious? You need to be serious with your life. And to be honest, I now see results now. This is from like 2016. How many years has it been now? Hello and welcome back to another episode of Capture the Boards. On this episode, we have yet another awesome guest, Marilyn Mushakwe, who is an artist, a curator, and communications manager, and has worked with several art galleries. Hi, Marilyn. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. So we know you're very much into the art space. Um, what fuels your passion for art? I don't know how to answer that. Let's see. What fuels my passion? Mm. I don't know if necessarily I could say there's something outside of myself that does that. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like art is a part of me. Mm. As with most artists, I believe. Um, it's, it's very difficult to allow it or to have it be something that comes from the outside. Because literally by the mere fact that you are born and you gravitate towards that, makes that a passion that is just set within you. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's how I would, I, would, I would respond to that. I have seen people who, I literally know of people who went into other fields that are not necessarily art-related, but are artistically inclined, and they always find their way there. Mm. They will either sort of like have their job that no one even knows about sometimes. <laughs> And then they spend all their time doing artsy things. Yeah. Um, I know of someone who was literally depressed at their work because they had this thing that they just needed to fulfill until they eventually left their job and got back into art or got into art. So I think like that's how best I can explain it. It's 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 almost inexplicable in the sense that it just it just is mm -hmm. and it just requires some sort of expression and outward something. It just needs to get out. So I think that's that's the best way I can explain what that passion is. And then, of course, the more you consume, the more you see, the more that you do, the more that you want to belong in certain spaces. So everything about you ends up being an expression of this thing that is within you. So whether it's the people that you surround yourself with or the style that you even have, because I'm pretty sure that most people look at me and sort of like just know. As with most artists, you look at them and you just know. You know? But this person is artsy. You know, they might all have the same look. You, you can tell. You can like, tell, yeah. yeah. Tell. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. And so um, tell us a bit more about yourself, about your background, your upbringing, mm -hmm. um, about, you know, the person behind the artist. Sure. Okay. So my background, my upbringing, I... I'm from a family of four, so I have two younger brothers, and my mom's in the picture, my dad is not. Uh, we grew up in a pretty, like, I don't know, regular household, as far as I can tell. We were Catholic, or rather my mom was Catholic, and we used to go to Catholic church until I was about five, in grade five, or five years old, rather, in grade five. 
and something then happened. I'm not too sure what happened with her, but then she moved us from Catholic Church and started going to Faith Ministries, which is like a Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I grew up in Faith Ministries. I literally was in Faith Ministries Church till I went off to university. And so my first two years there, I don't know what I was doing. I was just, I was just fumbling and fumbling and mumbling about <laughs> university. It was, it was an interesting space because I was, in as much as I've grown up and technically grown up now in this Christian household, this Pentecostal Christian household, I now was in a space where I could take a step back from what I had thought of myself mm-hmm. and just reevaluate and decide if this really was who I was. Mm-hmm. So not only did I go to this church, I also went to a Christian school, Gateway. Mm-hmm. And so everything about Gateway is Christian. So whether it's literally within, say, your lessons or your teachers or even as a, as a leader, uh, you practice what they call well, you would know because you were at Gateway. Yes, I was. You know, servant leadership. <laughs> yes. Servant leadership, you know, which is like, you know, an example that was given by Jesus. So yeah. literally everything about my life, because you spend Monday to Friday at school, sometimes Saturdays because you've mm. got sports or what, 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 whatever else, and then on Sunday you've got church. And so I got out of that space, and it was, it was a time for me to just see what the rest of the world had. Mm. And the world had very interesting things, which I just... I was seen on TV or just not known at all. So all of a sudden, I have, I studied art, by the way, fine arts. So I'm doing this art degree with these people who have ideas that I've never heard about. Mm-hmm. I am learning about people who believe in Mother Gaia or the third eye or oh, all these things. Wow. I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> it was also interesting. So for a very long time, I just didn't bother with church because I was just like, I'm not even sure what this is exactly. Even though I've been, or I felt like I was completely convicted of my Christian walk, mm-hmm. but I'd never been um, confronted with everything else that existed outside of it. I now understand it was a very sheltered life that I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, which is understandable, as with you know most middle, some way like middle class you know, type of people. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my first year and second year. And eventually within maybe end of second year, going into my third year, I had so many questions. Um, as you would imagine, an art degree doesn't just teach you how to draw and paint. As a matter of fact, it hardly teaches you how to draw and paint. I so never true. learned how to draw and paint mm-hmm. in art school. <laughs> actually didn't. Mm-hmm. They are pushing you towards thinking in a certain way. Opening your mind. Opening your mind, exactly. Yeah. So everything is conceptualized. Mm-hmm. Even your art um, is is conceptual. So yes, you might draw very well, which I did, but I never got a chance to actually put that necessarily into effect. It was just an exploration of everything else. Uh, and I had so many questions because now all of a sudden I'm learning about how Christianity came to Africa. Mm-hmm. I'm learning about how it is used in certain spaces. And this bubble that I lived in as a Christian person, child, young woman, was it wasn't necessarily burst, but I think like it now had tiny pinpricks in it. Mm-hmm. And I had so many questions. And so during orientation, the it must have been the beginning of my third year, I come across this desk, um, and that belonged to the student Christian organization for my university. I was at Fitz University in Joburg. And um, 
And they had pretty interesting programs, it seemed. So they had a program where they brought in apologetics, which are, I suppose, in a simple way, like defenders Mm -hmm. of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And so they said, you know, come through because you have so many questions um, and just have a chat with them. So I did. So I'd go to these lectures that they had, these talks, and I'd listen, and I'd send them these long emails mm. <laughs> afterwards. So, well, you said this, and you said this, and I want to understand that. <laughs> and I had a lot of my questions answered, because I think I was, I was looking, because I, I understood that there was some presence or entity that was greater than us. Yeah. It's not like I had just decided that nothing exists and I've become atheist now. I just wanted to understand what that thing actually was. Um, And so after some weeks of discussions and back and forth and trying to understand, I actually came to the conclusion that the Christian God actually made sense in a tangible way outside of faith. Mm. Um, Because you ask people like, well, okay, all these difficult questions, they say, oh, you have to have faith. Like, yeah, no, that's not going to help me. I want to actually understand because I'm a person who's very curious mm. and, and smart. I believe I'm smart and I want to know, I want to understand. Uh, of course, there's certain things about the Christian walk that, uh, that do need faith, that will require more than what you see. Mm. But I do think that what you see or the arguments also need to make sense at the end of the day. You can't just tell someone to believe. We need to tangibly see or learn or understand certain things. Um, so, yeah, and then that was that. Uh, if I remember, what was your question? Just so tell me about your background about um, and, you know, well, your upbringing, which you have highlighted very well. There we go, yeah. You, you did an excellent job of that. And just to go into your maybe rediscovering, was it the process of rediscovering your faith, right? Your, your, yeah. Your, um, your relationship with God. Um, what I'm gleaning is that before it was more of a, okay, my family believes in this, so I have to believe, not necessarily have to, but this is what it is. Well, it's a combination yeah. because it was my family believes in this and this is, and all the people I know also believe in this because I, I was at a Christian school at the same time. So mm-hmm. everybody and everything around me mm-hmm. believes in this thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought I did, and I suppose I did. Because, you know, I, I did, I read the word, I, all of everything. I was baptized by the, in, not just, you know, like physical baptism and water, but, you know, I received the Holy Spirit. I was, I was there. I was, I understood, I understood, quote unquote, everything until I got to a place of questioning things. Mm. So in as much as you believe and understand and see certain things, when you're confronted with something else, if you haven't fully gotten convicted of something or, I don't know, I feel like, Knowing that there are other things helps yeah. because it allows you to be solid within your walk. So if someone comes through later and they ask silly questions like, yeah, but you've never seen God or whatnot, then even if you may not be able to fully explain it, you're so convicted in it that it doesn't matter that this person is coming to tell you all of these things. Mm-hmm. And that's what that was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that was. I... I, I I do believe that was important for me. I needed to be outside of home. I needed to see the world. I needed to meet different people. I needed to express myself outside of what I had known myself to be at church and at school. Mm. I, I needed that. Um, so when I did rededicate my life to Christ, 
it was with the understanding that yeah, this is it. There's no no one's going to come and tell me about universe juice and things <laughs> along those lines. And I'm gonna yeah. be like, yeah, let's go. No, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm able to see through certain conversations when people say, oh, manifest your things by telling it to the universe, and you're like, no, come on, that's that's <laughs> you're just taking this this absolutely beautiful thing. Yeah. This relationship with God and trying to water it down to the universe as if it's like an an an, an non-entity type mm-hmm. of entity and speaking things. All you've done is you've almost bastardized a relationship with God. Yeah, you've by, it. yeah by by yeah. doing, you know, certain things. All of a sudden certain books that I've read, I'm looking at them different. Mm-hmm. Um uh there's a certain author that I liked. The alchemist. The alchemist. And it was it was very interesting because I actually then remember looking back at certain stories that I've read of him and thinking, this is absolutely unnecessary. Half of the things that people talk about are unnecessary because this entire the quests that people go on, whether it's the characters in his books or even other stories or other texts that you read. These people are on a quest to look to find God, and yeah. they're not—they're not aware that that's what they're doing. They—they mm. they realize that there's a hole within them that needs to be filled. So they go on these journeys. They go to mountains. They do all these things. They travel around the world, and sometimes they reach some sort of conclusion. But you reading this as someone who knows what it is to have a relationship with God, mm. a fulfillment mm. that goes beyond an understanding, mm-hmm. and you're aware that no, 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 no. This, this, that's what's missing there. That's a Jesus filled. That's a Jesus hole that's missing mm. there, and that's why this person has gone on a journey for ten, fifteen years, and has I don't know spent some time with Buddhists in whatever mountains, and mm. they've gone there, they've gone there, and all they needed to do was to develop this with Christ, mm. and that's that's all. You don't even need to visit a sacred temple somewhere in order for you to have that relationship, yeah. which is what I also love or what I understood and loved about the Christian God. Mm. The walk wasn't um, some obscure thing. You didn't have to go visit somewhere in order for you to have a relationship. This does, It didn't need an outside person to come and help you or an outside facility to come and help you. This could literally happen as you're sitting in your room or as you're taking a walk walking down the street as you're with other people. It's it's available for absolutely everybody. There's no like extra steps you need to take. You don't need to be, I don't know, walking barefoot on coals, on hot coals for you to yeah. sort of like, you know, to, to show how how serious you yeah. are. That's that's not it. It's literally about your belief. Mm. That's all. You're like, what? And in as much as I knew it, <laughs> and understanding that other people are doing all these things to prove, you realize, no, I actually needed to. You didn't need to. There's no proving of anything. You, you can't prove your work. As a matter of fact, you are such a sinner that you can't do anything. Mm. Yeah. You, there's nothing you can do with your works mm. that allows you or gives you access to these, to this, I suppose, universe or this great force. Mm. Um, so, so that was a yeah, that was beautiful. That was one of the things I then said. Okay, you know what? I actually really, really like this. It actually seems unfair when you look at all these other supposed religions and the Christian walk and how quote unquote easy mm. um, to get in. Quote unquote. <laughs> because I think I'm trying to explain like get in as if it's like a secret club, but ultimately it's just 
how to have that relationship. relationship yeah. yeah. That is beautiful. And so how has this relationship with Christ impacted your identity and your sense of self? Mm. That is a loaded question. <laughs> how has it impacted my identity and my sense of self? Yes. <clears throat> I'll speak of two things. Okay. I will speak of my sense of self as a woman, mm-hmm. and I'll speak of my sense of self as a creative. Um, my sense of self as a woman, so I'm coming from a background of a broken home. Mm-hmm. And I realized that as I grew up, I had a very skewed understanding and relationship with men mm-hmm. because of my skewed relationship with my father. And... I had to, at some point in time, come to a realization of this and then try to work, to, to not reverse, but to work around that, mm-hmm. to build a better relationship. Because what that then did is, it, I then saw that not only did I have a skewed relationship with just men in general, but also God as our Father. Mm-hmm. So that went into so many other spaces that I I hadn't quite understood. So in my understanding of God, God as God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, it was very interesting because I felt like I had a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. But within that walk, so it's almost like I had just like plus, plus, plus split them up and I was like, oh, these two make sense. <laughs> and God the Father did not make sense at all. So I went through a journey of healing. Mm-hmm. And that happened in so many ways that had so many layers that had physical layers that had spiritual mental layers uh literally everything from watching youtube videos and listening to podcasts by um preachers um male and female preachers who speak about what the role of men and women are in the world. So one person, for example, is Dr. Miles Monroe. Mm. His sermons helped so much in an understanding because I was angry. I was so angry at being a woman because I kept saying, well, this doesn't make any sense, God. It doesn't, it looks like we got the short end of the stick here. Mm. I don't see many women who are doing very well or I see women who talk about how they love being women, but those are, say, exceptionally beautiful women who just get lots of attention from men. Not to say that I wasn't getting attention from men, but it seemed unfair, because what happens to everybody else? Um, it just seemed like, no, man, uh-uh, there's a better way to go through life. Yeah. <laughs> that better way must be either by being a man or by being a woman who is not too womanly, because you are not just going to do well in this. So... That had to change. That had to heal from literally understanding how God created us in Genesis as equal. Not one is more important than the other. Um, But what we're meant to achieve and do is different. So in as much as you know these things, it's different when you're confronted and you have to get into it and start understanding. Like, what does that mean for myself as an individual? Um... And that helped how I, I viewed myself, how I viewed my relationship with God. Um, and that started mending um, until, I mean, to the point where it is now, where I really think I do have an amazing relationship with God. God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the books that really helped, in as much as people have said a whole lot of things, I've, I've heard people coming from two camps 
some people say they love it. The other group of people say it's absolutely heretical. 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 Is The Shack by Paul Young. And you may say whatever you want to say about that book. For me, it was life-changing. It was life-altering. I don't know what other people got from it, (laughs) but I know for myself, the depiction of God was exactly what I needed to understand how that is one person, but that is... I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I can even like fully explain what that is. So people usually say, oh, how dare he, he depict God, the father, as a big black woman. Mm-hmm. But I understood what that was. I understood the need for a change within him as a person over how he viewed God, for God to finally, God the father to finally show himself as he did in the end. I understood that there was a need for mending of something. And it it feels like it was the same thing for me. Um, So let's put that aside. (laughs) (laughs) So let's put that aside. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So eventually, I feel like a lot was... I I, I began enjoying being a woman. Mm -hmm. I began understanding that I didn't need to necessarily be a man or act like, which I hadn't realized I was, like very... I sat in my what nowadays we call it the masculine energy. I really did, right? <laughs> right? Right. There was a lot of anger within mm-hmm. me, so I learned to let go of all of that and just be chill, just be s- soft and chill mm-hmm. and accommodating. Not that I wasn't before, but I was actively fighting against certain very beautiful and sweet and kind and just pretty. I'll use that word the pretty bits of myself. Um, so I had to come back to that and say, huh, actually, there's a time I was a point in, a, in, a, in a space of crisis. That's why I felt so angry and so combative, but I don't need to be. I can rest. Yeah. And that rest allowed me to just woosah, if I can use that word. Mm-hmm. So that's the one bit. And then in my career, that has been <laughs> very <laughs> funny space. Uh-huh. Tell so, us. <laughs> So I, as I said, I studied art. Yeah. And I do believe it was really Christ-led for me to do that. Okay. Because it, it had never been my first choice. I was extremely creative, but I felt like, oh, now I'm going to be poor if I do this thing. Mm-hmm. So let me do something else. Funny thing is, all the universities I applied for, for something else, kept saying, oh, I know you said art is like a third choice, but look at how amazing your portfolio is. Why don't you just go study art? Literally, that was the re- like the rejection letter would say, yeah, but why don't you just do this? So eventually I was like, you know what? I think you're trying to say something to me, God. Let me go study this thing. Ah, <laughs> did I not hate it by the time I finished the degree? Oh, oh, you oh hate my it? God, I'm going to be so poor. Just... <laughs> you hated it because you're afraid you're going to be poor? or no, I just... hated it because of what I thought I was going to get okay. from it. So I thought I was going to just go and develop this artistic side of me but now these people are teaching me to think and not only that but I, f- I really feel like in this bid to teach you to think they don't really equip you with life skills yeah. like outside of I'm done with my four years and I've got an amazing honors degree but how do I actually start making money with this thing mm-hmm. and it's not like I've gotten say for example an accounting degree I just go get a job as an accountant you're an artist no one employs you so I struggled with that for a while I, I really did um I really, really did. 
because I just thought, oh my word, I should have just studied engineering or something like that. Why <laughs> in the world would I do this? Um, but God has a funny way of of just changing the narrative and shifting certain ideas. So the first thing that happened is I got an internship and I went up to Paris to do that internship. And that opened up my mind. I was like, wait a minute. I, I You can actually do this? I, I was looking at people who were in others, who did other things within an art space. Mm-hmm. So whether it's the academics or the gallerists or the curators or the researchers, whatever it is. And I realized, actually, there is space for everyone in this in this thing. If you're artistically inclined, it may not necessarily mean that you need to physically be an artist. So I have worked as a curator and an arts administrator since 2016 or so. I was curator of Soko Gallery. I've worked as an arts administrator for a, an artist studio that's based in the south of Spain. I have or currently I'm working with Chapungo Sculpture Park as like a little part-time thing. Because, you know, I'm never like fully employed. I offer my services to different spaces. Um, so, you know, you do like, you know, curation, administration. I'm a, I'm a researcher. I've written one or two articles. I've written, say, for the National Gallery. I've written for a German magazine. I've written for a South African magazine. So I found different expressions or I found myself expressing myself in different ways within this art space um, until I eventually then realized it's almost it's time now to get back to actually making art um, or to get into, because I'm not sure if I ever fully got into making art, but to get into. And that was introduced or reintroduced to me in the form of, here's a mural, why don't you work on it? And I did um, with a group of guys. I co-founded an organization called Post to the Arts Collective. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were invited to this art space to do this thing. And I was part of it. And I thought, but why am I not doing this? And from then, I then did another mural. Then I did another mural. And I was like, mm, okay, <laughs> I think I need to get back to get, you know, re, re-get into, I don't know, whatever the word you may use, <laughs> to get to doing this. Yeah. Um, and so now I am, uh, in as much as I do all my things and curating and writing and researching, I now I'm even renting a studio where I'm painting and creating. And within the next few months, it would be amazing to for me to have. I plan on having you know, an exhibition, which would be the very first outside of me exhibiting in school. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, that is that is impressive. I mean, I know a lot of people in the creative space often struggle with, you know, making peace with their part, like understanding that this is what I'm supposed to do and I have to go all in with this. Mm. And there's that pressure to have a, a job, a real job. <laughs> yeah, it really, no, the pressure is there. Also because as a creative, um, it's you don't have a, something that is... Like, uh, what's the word? You don't have a monthly salary, for example. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of comfort in knowing that at the end of the month I'm getting something. But when you're doing this, 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 when you're on this creative journey, you may not necessarily have that. If you're either offering a service or you are 
selling something, a product or whatever it is, then there's no guarantee that at the end of the month you're going to have money. I understand. I get it. So it's a very difficult path to walk, which is why we have the broke artist trope. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're very talented and you're very hardworking. But until you find yourself in the right space, um, you may really, really struggle. And that's not a struggle that I would wish upon anyone, to be honest. I think I even advise younger artists that, look, do do this thing, explore, because in order for you to even find um, an artistic journey that that rewards you in a monetary, like monetarily, in a monetary manner, you need the inputs, you need the resources. Where are you getting those? You can't chill at home painting, hoping someone buys the painting so that you can have money to buy materials. Have something that allows for you to eat and do the things you need to do. Have something, set something up. And then you can paint. Because, I mean, look, you don't need to paint every day all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever expression that is. Or, you know, sculpt. Or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for that. Like, have it be well balanced. It will also allow you to not get tired too quickly. Um, because if you do that for a solid six months to a year, where you're asking people for money for stuff... I kid you not, you will look for a job as, I don't know, whatever it is, just so that you can get up. And I know many people who've done that. They've just mm-hmm. said, look, this is nonsense. I am going to do whatever it is. Ducting is up here. Poor. And then they completely leave this art thing. Because it, it's, it's, it's very easy to get your heart broken mm-hmm. within the creative space. Mm-hmm. Because it does not quite reward you as you would imagine it should. Especially not in this economy. Mm, that was going to be my next question, actually. Yeah. What, is, what is it like as a young woman in the Zimbabwean art space? Um, in what way? Do you mean in like a financial way? Like in what way? Um, perhaps in a financial way. We know that our arts and creative space is quite small. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's hard to you know, make us sustain yourself in this kind of environment, especially in an economy where um, things aren't, you know, set. There's no guarantee of anything. And so what has it been like for you yourself personally navigating navigating yourself through that space? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> challenging. Mm-hmm. But I am grateful to God that um, I have had opportunities to... I found myself in very good spaces. Um, I remember an artist friend of mine saying, Marilyn, um, he said it to Shana, <laughs> 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 like you just exist in a world of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, like why are you not complaining? Like other people complain about this art space. I could complain, quite frankly, I could. Mm-hmm. Anyone could complain, technically, but I choose not to. Um, and at the same time, God has really led me to places that I would not have imagined, um, opportunities that I would not have imagined. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I always tell him that I love his surprises, mm-hmm. and I do love God's surprises, because literally I'll have someone say, hey, 
Um, so for example, like a few years ago, I ended up at the Johannesburg Art Fair, which I've been a few times, but I was working with a gallery from Nairobi. And how that happened is the director of the National Gallery, or rather the curator at that time, had said, I've got a friend who's based in Nairobi, and the person that they were supposed to bring to the Joburg Art Fair, or take to the Joburg Art Fair, couldn't get a visa, would you mind helping? And I'm like, yeah. And they just paid for everything. And all I did was just like show up. And I was at the Santa Convention Center where that takes place, just chilling with creators and artists and technically co-curating the booth for this particular Nairobi art space. That was God, because someone literally came to me and told me this. Uh, I didn't go looking for it. I actually, I actually had sent an email to another gallery from Nairobi, and they said, oh yeah, come work with us at the Joburg Art Fair. I was going to pay my way there, I was going to everything, but now I had to actually tell them, look, I can't do that anymore, I'm working with another space. Um, that was God. Um, so I've had so many instances where I've been sought out or my services have been sought out by people I haven't even necessarily needed to apply wow. to say I'm, I'm, I'm looking for job or now that I think of it I think like 98% of things I've done <laughs> Someone has approached me and said, Oh, wow, that is the <laughs> grace of God. Wow, because I've actually been to know what job have I actually properly applied for? They gave me a job. <laughs> wow, that's, actually, that's actually, yeah, mm. 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 <laughs> that's, so yes, that's how I have navigated that space through the grace of God, honestly, because. <laughs> That is beautiful. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, and so out of all of your achievements and your accomplishments, which one are you most proud of? And I don't mean proud of like, oh my gosh, I'm the GOAT, I got it going on. I mean, proud of as in you look back and you think, wow, I actually did this. I actually took part in this. Mm. That would be Soko Gallery. Mm. <clears throat> so when I joined Soko, um, it, they had only done one exhibition. It was a very new space that done one exhibition, and then I joined as the curator, um, and pretty much then did everything within the space. Um, so there was planning exhibitions, getting in touch with everything that you know the press releases, and I hadn't necessarily studied to be a curator. Mm. Um, as a matter of fact, I'd gotten into a master's program that I was then unable to pursue. So I, I felt like I was under. Uh, that my qualifications were not enough for me to actually do that. And yet here I was um, with this entire gallery, and I ran it for the next, I don't know, two years, two and a half years, and I did very well. Of course, there were ups and downs. Um, for example, I had this one exhibition where I showed an artist who was showing internationally, and I priced his work according to say, Zimbabwean standards, so it was underpriced. Um, this lady walks in who's, you know, the dean of the art space in Zimbabwe and internationally. She sees the underpriced work. She doesn't tell me that, you know, you've done something wrong here. Instead, she goes and she calls a collector. A collector is like a buyer of art, fine arts, but usually very serious buyers. They're people who travel for art and really invest in the art space. Um, and the story, the whole thing ends up going to 
the gallerist that this artist was part of, as in the gallery that they work with internationally. Mm. And there was a whole hullabaloo. Phone calls, emails, oh, how dare you do this? And da, 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 da. It, was, it was so scary because I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. Um, I look back now and I'm like, you know, <laughs> at that time, it was so scary. There's all these big people in the art world and in America and in Europe there are calling me and saying these things. And I don't know because I don't, I don't have anyone teaching me these things as such. So I'd say... I would say that's my biggest, no, not the biggest, but one of them. Let me say one of them mm. um, because I I learned a lot and I grew up a lot and it allowed me to see things about myself that I would not have imagined because I didn't necessarily have anyone practically or physically teaching me. I kind of had to just go, go at it alone. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. That is like... Um... What is it? Refinement by fire? Yeah, by fire. Look, whether you're ready or not, this is happening. Hey, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so as we reach the end of this, um, just a final question. Mm. What would you say to someone who is trying to figure themselves out and their purpose out? And they, they don't quite have it together. Um, what would you say to them? Um, trust God. Talk to God. Sit with him, have a chat about things, tell him what you want to do, and do things. Because sometimes I think we wait for a big booming voice from heaven to tell us to do this and to mm-hmm. do that, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come that way. It's usually just a, it might not even be a whisper, to be honest. It might just be an inclination to do something. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I ought to do this. And then when you look back, you're like, wait a minute, that was me a year ago, and look at what I'm doing now. Um, one of the prayers I always make, literally a daily prayer for me, is, dear God, allow my path to meet with people who take me to my destiny. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you meet people without knowing and understanding that this meeting is what's going to take you to where you need to be. Um, you sit, you have a chat with them, they'll remember you six months from now. Or they'll think of you or something comes up, something happens. They're like, yeah, no, Marilyn does this. And whatever it is that you want to do, that you're thinking of doing, just do it. Just do it to the best of your ability. And you might be surprised at what happens or where that takes you. So, um, yeah, I know it's a very vague response. I can't exactly say there's one thing you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, your identity or what you're supposed to be doing is found as you're doing stuff. <clears throat> I really do believe that if God was to come and tell you that you're going to be a millionaire or you're going to be the biggest artist there is in Zimbabwe or whatever it is that he's going to tell you, you there's a whole journey there that if, if he told you about that journey, you'd say no, because that's going to be hard. You're going to be, say, if you're going to be in the creative industry, you will have moments where you're broke. Yeah. Um, you're going to have moments where you're completely unsure and you're questioning each and everything that you're doing. You're going to have moments where family and friends are looking at you and saying, look, are you serious? You need to be serious with your life. And to be honest, I now see results. Now, this is from like 2016, how many years has it been now? Only now do I see results um, over the things. So I get called for conversations. I get called for, um, let's say, to facilitate an entire discussion or to facilitate a, a residency, for example. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at myself like, well, these people trust that I know 
so much or I'm competent enough in the things that they've been seeing me doing for the past few years that they they believe that I can actually do this thing for five days with young artists or not even young artists or just other artists, even you know established artists and I know what I'm talking about. And that's a result of little things that might not seem cohesive, right? But now that I look at it, um, it makes sense. So I have... Oh, I was going to, I wasn't going to tell you this, but anyway, <laughs> no, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but there's I have I, I have a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got let's see, this one platform. And what that is is a platform where I talk about art. And I link that to social issues. Mm-hmm. So it's called a twist of art. So I talk about pretty much anything and everything, but with a twist of art. Ha. And <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> with a twist of art. <laughs> things I realized is so I created this platform and as I was putting things together I realized that when I look at things on paper it does make sense Mm -hmm. but when I think to myself of what I've been doing for the past few years it doesn't seem to make sense I can't even I'm not fully sure what to call myself sometimes should I call myself a curator but no one really employs me as a curator I told myself that I was a curator Mm -hmm. literally I currently have an exhibition showing at the National Gallery. So please go have a look at it, you know, from now till September. Okay, so girl. We got you. We you got know? you. We got but, you. You know, I had to, to give myself that title, mm-hmm. um, like art administrator or researcher or writer. So sometimes when I'm asked exactly what I do, I'm kind of like, mm, curator. Because I feel like that just encompasses everything. But sometimes it might not. But I have to call myself something. Don't mm-hmm. I? I can't just say I'm a creator. Um, and other little projects. So anyway, when I then look at this thing on paper and see the different things, it's quite cohesive on paper. Mm-hmm. But in my head, it didn't feel like it was cohesive. It wasn't making sense. It was not making sense. It feels like I was just blindly, which I was, blindly trusting God. I was like, well, you said I must do this. Okay, shop. Mm-hmm. I'm working on this thing. And they say I must come to Spain. Okay, shop. So, but I was like, okay, what exactly am I doing? Is there, is, is it, tangibly cohesive mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't need to be actually mm-hmm. yeah good question does it need to be does it do you need to have like a solid title like you are a accountant full stop but like, no. why you don't <laughs> really because that's where the, the entire conversation and question on what your identity is because then you don't allow spaces and people to tell you that mm-hmm. um, so I'll come back to the accountant thing. If someone says I'm an accountant, the next thing people think is also oh, you stingy with money because apparently <laughs> that's what accountants do. That's a stereotype. Stereotype, right? But mm-hmm. you don't have to then be defined by those spaces. So if I get into a place, I may not necessarily start by telling people that I'm an artist because is that all I am, really? Because artists don't necessarily behave the same as curators and researchers. Mm-hmm. But I actually am all of those. So, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. love it love it yeah it just reminds me of this thing someone once said where if god showed you the plan the whole plan from beginning and from beginning to the end would you still go on that journey yeah, probably not probably not it's going to be hard because mm-hmm. it is already yeah um but once again you step up when you look at yourself from the outside i, I really feel like so many times we underestimate estimate ourselves as individuals 
I feel like people are more convinced of you and what you do than yourself. Mm. And a lot of times, especially in such industries, as a creative industry, you step out and you're like, oh, wow, that, that, actually, that's pretty dope. Mm. But within it, oh, I'll give you an example. Tell me if I'm talking too much, though. No. You're saying as we're closing up. So I'm like, no. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll give you an example. So I'm working with a particular media team and I'm doing their research and, you know, their whatever stuff. And so they have recordings on one day, <clears throat> and I've invited all these creators to talk um, at, at different different times. But what ends up happening is we are late with one recording, so we've got the two people from the first one, the two people from the next one, and then the third recording, those people got, got there super, super early. Mm-hmm. So we ended up with like six different people supposed to be recording three different um, episodes. But what was so exciting and so funny about the space is how they kept complimenting each other. Wow. Oh, your work is amazing. I've seen your Instagram. I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen what you do as a content creator. I've seen what you do as a model. I've seen what you do as this. And it was so funny because each and every one of them thought the other person was better. Wow. Or they had a better platform or they were doing amazing work. And it's almost like they did not recognize what they were doing as being amazing work. And they were surprised when the other person told them that their work was amazing. And I feel like it's a thing with creatives. Mm-hmm. You're just doing, and yes, some people believe in it, but I think it's difficult for you to fully believe or solidly understand what you're doing. And you kind of get that when someone else then says it. Um, so that was funny for me f- to find these six different creatives, all of them sort of in awe of the other ones, mm-hmm. but also e- almost even wondering how why they're here with the other five. But the other five feel like, wow, your work is amazing. So, yeah. Wow, that is that is wow, that is interesting. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is very interesting. <laughs> it, was. it was a lot more interesting and impressive as well <laughs> to actually see it happening. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is true. I mean, if you're an artist, you can never really hold your work up to that standard. You always have better. You know there's better to be achieved. Yeah. You know it. You know it. So, yeah. With time. Time. With time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marilyn. I mean, this was a very insightful conversation we had. And, wow, you are just so full of wisdom. <laughs> welcome and thank you for him having me here it was it's been it's been fun a lot of fun thank you and so we have reached the end of the podcast until next time goodbye